Hey guys, good evening. Uh, thank you for being here. We're excited to be here. Uh, we get to come down periodically and share. My name is Trey, and this is my wife, Shara. Uh, we've been married 20 years. We celebrated 20 years back in February. <laughs> thank you. Um, so we have four kids. There may or may not be a picture. Yeah, there we go. Um, so our oldest just finished her sophomore year in college, and then one just graduated high school. Uh, 16-year-old son, and then a little, uh, our youngest daughter going into eighth grade. So that's our family. And uh, again, thank you for welcoming us here. It's great to be here. Um, I was born in Oklahoma and raised uh, there and in Texas in a fiercely competitive alpha male environment. I was a third born of four boys. Focus on my house was on church, God, athletics, and education. Uh, in that order. My parents were strong believers in a great model of commitment in marriage, and although I knew they had disagreements, I never questioned that they were in it for life. Because girls, uh, other than my mom, were never around our house growing up, I was typically very uncomfortable and insecure around them. I was introduced to pornography around age 13, and it was present in my life in various forms uh, well into our marriage. My teenage years were filled with doubt regarding my uh, status with God. I claimed to love him and follow him, but in practice, I pursued uh, the desires of my flesh and never, ever pursued a daily relationship with him. Most of the time, this left me simply hoping that the, uh, a prayer I had prayed when I was young would be to get me uh, enough to get me to heaven. My life was defined by Paul's words in Titus 3.3. Once, we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. By my 22nd birthday, I had attended three different universities, had zero credit to show for it, and was breaking off inappropriate relationships with other girls because Cher and I had found out that she was pregnant uh, with our first child. After a three-week engagement, I found myself married to a girl I'd known less than a year, and we would be parents soon. So I also grew up in a Christian home as the youngest of four kids. I accepted Christ into my heart and my life when I was five years old. I went to a Christian school my entire life, including college, and our family was in church every time the doors were open. Um, usually we were serving in some capacity. I loved it. I had a godly heritage passed down even from my, my grandparents, but much of it was rooted in legalism and not really dealing with heart issues and truly understanding God's love for me. Trey and I met in February of my freshman year of college. Um, he had transferred to our small college and he definitely was the new guy on campus. Um, I had just gotten out of a relationship and I had sworn off boys for a couple minutes. <laughs> Um, and I had no interest in dating him initially, but as we got to know each other, um, things <clears throat> or that, that feeling went away real fast. Uh, we enjoyed being with each other so much. Things started off pretty slow, um, but as he came back from um, summer break that year, um, our relationship progressed very quickly. Within a few minutes, a few minutes, almost. <laughs> I haven't said that one. 
was probably a few mon- minutes to our parents. <laughs> probably felt like a few months. Uh, we were uh, sexually active, and a couple months after that, we found out that I was pregnant. I never questioned what the next step would be. I loved him. He loved me. We were having a baby, so we were married just a few weeks after we told our parents of our news. But our honeymoon period ended really before it even started. We found out quickly that I do not do pregnancy well at all, and I was sick the entire nine months. We did not have any type of community that, st- that spurred us on during that time, and so we were left trying to figure out this new stage of life on our own. Um, in the first year, I also found out that Trey had been unfaithful while we were dating. I was totally blindsided by that, um, and it definitely added to that stress. I remember hearing growing up that your first year of marriage is your easiest and your best. I was committed, but I thought, I am in for a really long life. We still really enjoyed being together, but all of the outside stressors made for some difficult times. Our family continued to grow in these first few years. We had our third child right after we celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. So if you're counting, that's roughly 27 months of morning sickness. Our marriage was not bad at that point, but I would say most of our early years were marked by mediocrity. We went to church, um, we read um, books to our kids that pointed them to Christ, but I would say um, we were not true Christ followers at all. We looked pretty good on the surface, and honestly, the day-to-day wasn't too bad, but we weren't really loving each other well or seeking to follow the Bible's view of marriage. So I met Sharon in the church I attended while in college in Wisconsin. Her personality immediately put me at ease, and we always had a great time together. After we got married, I dropped out of school and went to work full-time in the small town in Wisconsin where we met. I still carried considerable doubt about my relationship with Christ. I claimed that I was a Christian, but as I looked at my past, all I saw was damaged relationships, hurt, and no pursuit of a relationship with Jesus when left to my own devices. In the months following our marriage, I wrestled with assurance of my relationship with Christ. So many bad choices in my past combined with continual sin struggles had me in a place where I just wasn't sure. Finally, I came to a place that I accepted that my salvation was dependent on Christ's assurance in John 5.24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. I enjoyed married life. Sharon and I have always had a great time together, but my relationship with Christ looked a lot like sitting in church on Sundays, most of the time trying to be a really good guy, and reading Bible stories to my kids. Sharon was always very plugged into church in Wisconsin and later on when we moved uh, to Texas. I saw her spend regular individual time in God's Word. For the most part, we got along pretty well, but when we would disagree over finances, parenting, or other life decisions, she would approach me and ask if I was spending time alone with God. She would beg me to step up and be the spiritual leader of our family, urge me out of the complacency and complete selfishness that defined my existence. My approach was to tell her what she wanted to hear to get her off my back and then continue on with whatever distraction I could find. I would read a devotional book and pray anytime our backs were against the wall financially or we had a big decision coming up. 
Well, Texans really like to be in Texas. So a few years after um, getting married in Wisconsin, we moved our family to Texas. Things for us mainly stayed the same, but we added in another baby and we began to have some turmoil with the extended family that lived in the area. And for me, this move also brought this idea of wanting to have the perfect life and look like I had it all together. We had great friends at church, but we still did not have authentic community. When our youngest was about a year and a half, we decided it was a good time for us both to go back to school. We were obviously delusional. Trey wanted to finish his master's. I wanted to finish up my undergraduate degree. And so the fall of 2009 proved to be a very busy one. Trey was teaching and coaching and I was, um, and also in school, and I was in school and also coaching and tutoring all while trying to be a stay-at-home mom to four young kids. I deal with craziness pretty well, but during the season, um, there just wasn't time to do everything, and I stopped having my personal daily time in the Bible. Um, it unfortunately was the first thing to go, and I was not putting on the full armor of God that's talked about in Ephesians 6 to be able to resist the enemy in times of evil. Satan was about to attack our family, and I was not making any preparations at all for this battle. We had some family friends from our church that we spent quite a bit of time with on the weekends. They were a little bit older than us. We enjoyed being with them, and in some ways, we really looked up to them. The husband began calling me on the phone, and it was always for good reason. Um, and initially, I didn't think I didn't keep anything from Trey about it. But soon, the calls be became more and more frequent. I knew something was off, but I just thought it's no big deal. I can handle it. This relationship grew at a pretty quick pace. I did not go looking for an affair, but due to the, the situation I had put myself in of just not making wise choices, I was in the middle of one in no time at all. This grew, this relationship grew emotionally and before long sexually as well. Every hurt that Trey had ever caused me and really was never dealt with became my justification for continuing on. And then once it reached a certain point, I just thought there is no way I could go back to Trey because he would never forgive me. I stayed in it because I thought it was a path I had chosen for myself, and now I just had to deal with it. The family relocated within a couple of months, but the affair continued emotionally for about seven more months. Um, during this time, I had isolated myself from friends and family, and I was driving myself crazy trying to keep up with my sin. I hardly slept, I hardly ate, and I was a mess. I believed every lie Satan was telling me, and I had become a slave to all of it. John 8.34 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Despite the fact that as a little girl, I had asked Jesus into my life, and he wanted nothing more for, than for me to live in that freedom. I was enslaved to my sin and keeping up with it. I had quenched the Holy Spirit, and I was fat fighting this losing battle on my own. The whole relationship came to a screeching halt about nine months after beginning, in the middle of the night, complete with words neither of us had ever heard each other say, and a whole lot of screaming. I had been found out. I really thought that this was going to be the end of our marriage. Trey would never take me back after finding out the truth. I was proven wrong almost immediately. After the initial shock, Trey started fighting so hard for us and our family. That very night, he prayed over me, and he read scripture to me. 
He left for work the next morning, and when I woke up, I opened my Bible for the first time in a long time um, and began reading in the Psalms. This was the first time um, in nine months that I'd opened up God's Word. I began reading in Psalm 51, where David is pleading that God create a heart, a new heart in him, a clean heart, and restore him. I was broken. I asked God to forgive me. I ended the relationship, and when Trey got home, I asked him to forgive me. And his words were, "I have my wife back." The that fall, uh, or the fall that I began grad school, Sharon and I began to really drift apart. I was busy with schoolwork and spending time with a guy from church, playing tennis and whatever else we could come with, come up with to do. I generally ignored anything serious at home, and when Sharon and I had disagreements, they would quickly escalate, and I would just try to hurt her with the words that I said. I found out about Sharon's affair one night when we were home alone. Our kids were in Colorado and were thankfully spared uh, those wheels-off moments that night. Uh, following the blow-up, I remember sitting in our kitchen facing the reality that my wife was going to leave me and I was on my way to being a single dad. The next day I met with two pastors that I had known for a long time. I was advised to not let anyone know what had occurred and, and given some books to read on the topic of forgiveness. They also offered to listen anytime I needed to talk. In the first year after the affair came to light, I was so eager to distance from those incredibly difficult days so insecure about whether or not uh, Cheryl loved me or would stay around that I dove headfirst into every Bible-based marriage resource I could find. I prayed continually, asking God to protect Cheryl's heart and to break the emotional bonds that were formed through the affair. I prayed that the Lord would help me to forgive her. I prayed for the man involved that the Lord would help me to forgive him because I certainly did not want to. One passage the Lord brought me to quickly is James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Early on, I could not understand how I could be expected to give thanks for what had happened. But as I saw Shara restored and our relationship began to heal, it became easier for me to see how the Lord is able to work all things for good. The next two to three years were a roller coaster for me. I was in a pattern of looking for security in Shara and trying to be the best husband I could be, and things were great. In those times when I was doing good, I would pray periodically, not really spend any time in God's Word and just try not to think about what had happened. Then the memories of what had happened would come crashing back. All I could focus on is how much pain I was going through. Sheriff became a target at these times, and all I wanted was to hurt her so she'd know how bad so she would know how bad she'd hurt me. I went to church but spent little to no time in God's word on my own. I saw friends at church but did not share life and community with any of them. No one outside of Shara's parents and the two pastors I initially told even knew what had happened. During this time, in the summer of 2011, Shara and I found re-engaged through an online resource. And as we attended open group, it was so encouraging uh, for me to hear other couples who had been where we'd been in some cases, and the Lord had seen them through it. Although Shara and I had both grown up in church, this was our first taste of biblical community. 
And once we had a closed group, it was such a relief to be able to share what had happened with others. Going through the lessons brought me face to face with what Jesus Christ did for me and always brought me to one question. Considering the forgiveness and love that Jesus extends to me in the face of my guilt and shame, what could Shara do that I could not forgive her for? I don't expect to ever be able to fully wrap my mind around the gospel, how a perfect father could send his perfect son to take my sin on him and die in my place so that I can have a relationship with Christ and one day enter heaven. For the first time in my life, I had to consider the gospel and how my response to it would then affect me on a very real level within our marriage. Colossians 3.13 is clear. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Through a series of events related to our jobs and family, Sharon and I found Watermark in the spring of 2014. Simply put, life has never been the same. I have constantly been spurred on by teaching each Sunday, also been blessed to run with men who walk daily with the Lord. They know God's word and let it direct their lives and encourage me and lovingly hold me accountable to do the same. Mine and Shara's marriage is far from perfect. Difficult days still come. I have learned that the best thing I can do with any circumstance is trust that God loves me more than I'll ever understand, faithfully thank him for allowing it in my life, and ask him to use it to draw me closer to him. For a long time, I asked God, uh, why this? Of all things, why did you allow this into my life? Now I look back and know that God, in his unbelievable kindness, was waking me up to the gospel his incredible love and sacrifice for me. I'm so thankful for the Lord's grace and mercy and that his goodness has allowed our family to stay together as a unit. Most of all, I'm thankful that Titus 3.3 is not the end of my story. Verses 4 and 5 say, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So despite growing up in church and in a Christian home, it took God saving our marriage for me to understand how much he really loves me. He loved me enough to show me grace at my worst and revive our dead marriage. That being said, the restoration process between two broken and hurt people is not always easy. My dad's a man of few words, but gave me some great advice at the beginning um, of our healing process. And he reminded me that even though I might be good to go and just ready to get past this, um, others, in this case, Trey, they may not be in that same spot. And that is totally okay. God has taught me also so much through the hurts in our marriage, and he continues to. One thing is um, that I desperately need him. First Peter 5, 8 tells me that Satan is prowling prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Satan knows what I like. He knows what I don't like. He knows when I'm frustrated with Trey. He knows when I'm down on life. He wants nothing more than to see our family fall prey to him. Being good enough, because I go to church and I'm generally good, doesn't cut it when you're being attacked. I have to continually arm myself with his word and surround myself with his people who care enough to speak truth into me. We've had a couple of friends in our re-engage group and community that have allowed us to process and heal according to the promises of the Bible, and we are so thankful for. 
Another thing he has shown me is that God wants to deliver me from the chains of sin, and he has the power to do so. Romans 6, 6 says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Not only has God forgiven me of my sin, but he has also set me free from the shame and the guilt. I do not have to be labeled as adulterer, but can be labeled as forgiven and daughter of the one true king, something only a loving and perfect father could orchestrate. The allure that that sin had on me is gone and the guilt has been paid for. Lastly, God has shown me that his way is perfect. I have done a pretty good job of getting off track from the life that God wants to give me, but I've also seen firsthand his goodness when I obey him and I seek to live like him. Even doing hard things like sharing this story with our kids has allowed us to talk to them about how good and gracious God has been to our family. 1 Timothy 1.16 says, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners, which feels like our four teenagers sometimes. But um, Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I am not sure I will ever be able to totally wrap my mind around this idea that God has taken the ugliest moments of my life, the very darkest times, and he's made them into the most beautiful story that I will never get tired of sharing. A story that ultimately points to a God who loves all of us, who sacrificed his very best, his one and only perfect son for our very worst. He's the one who wants to take our ugly and our shameful moments, and he wants to make them into a story that will give others hope and ultimately show how good and gracious he is. Thank you all for letting us share how good God has been to me and our marriage and our family.